if we could cut one song out so that uh, I could have just a few more minutes to to preach uh, on this topic because I have I have a lot not a lot to say you know from uh, a standpoint of uh, my own opinion but a lot to say from God's word so please open your Bibles if you would to Ephesians chapter 5 as we continue to work our way through Ephesians It is so good to see Rick and Harriet and Selena and Karen. You too, Dwayne. It's good to see you too. <laughs> but good to see everybody here today. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll dig into what God has for us today. Father, we come to you as people who are in need of Christ. Father, of your spirit to come and to open our ears that we may hear from you through your word, that our hearts would receive your word with joy, conviction, encouragement. Father, that at the end of the day, you would be lifted up and you would be exalted and you would be praised. So, Father, I ask that you would help us to understand your word today. In your name, amen. So, if you did not sign the piece of paper out in the lobby there that said you're not going to kill the messenger after today, please go sign that so that I, Jenny has something. And, I, you know, I didn't ask Jenny, but when I get to the section where we're talking about wives, please don't shut me off. So, <laughs> so what we're going to deal with today is we're going to look through, uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, we're going to look at a big, a, a big section I'm going to break down, but we're going to look at the relationships between wives and husbands. And this is where we're, we're starting to get, starting in verse 21 of Ephesians, all the way through 6, 9, we get relationships and how we deal in relationships. Verse 21 talks about submitting one to another, that there's this mutual submission that we have with one another. And then we will get into wives and husbands, parents and children, and slaves and masters as we, we go through this section. But if you would, flip back to chapter 4 really quick. As we look at verse 1, of chapter 4. This has been our basis so far. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. So this is what Paul has been dissecting for us. He's been dissecting this. What does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of what we've been called to? Right? He's done all of this stuff in verses one in chapters one through three, and he's shown everything that God has done in Christ for us, and now he's saying this is now how we walk in accordance to what Christ has done. So we've seen a gamut of things. In the last few things, in chapter five, we are to be imitators of God as we walk in love, right? As we walk in the light, and as we walk in wisdom. And then that wisdom was us being filled with the Spirit. And so today we're going to look at what it means to have a Christ-like marriage. 
what it means to have a Christ-like marriage. So first of all, what we have to do is we have to go back into Genesis, because this is where the first marriage was. When we look at this, we see in Genesis 2, 20 through 25, this is what we read. The man gave names, this is Adam, the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the, of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall become woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the, and the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We have the first marriage within the Bible, right? Between a man and a woman. We have to keep that clear nowadays, brothers and sisters. We have to keep that clear. God's design for marriage is a man and a woman. So now what happens, though, is the fall brought about uh, the desire for the woman to rule over the man, right? This is what it says, Genesis 3.16, after the fall, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you, right? There, there's a word, it's desire. Your word shall, you, 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 your desire will be for your husband. Now, this word desire is not a sexual desire. It's not that type of desire because we see in Genesis 4, 7, the same word is used towards Cain when God tells Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So that desire is to rule, right? That desire is to rule. It's the same word. So in this marriage, when God first had this marriage, they were naked, they were not ashamed. Adam blows it. Hey, guys, I'm not saying this is Eve's fault. I'm saying this is Adam's fault because Adam was the one that was not leading his wife rightly, right? So, but we have these different desires. Now, let's fast forward into Ephesians 5.22. Look at Ephesians 5.22. We're going to look first at Ephesians 5.21 because this is what Paul says. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, in verse 22, that word submit in the original Greek is not there. That word's not there. So we have to read it in a sentence like this, starting with 21. Submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands. So Paul continues that thought process. But in the original Greek, that word submit is, is not there. So wives, we're going to deal with you first because Paul does. So wives, now this is a call to the wives, right? It's a call to all Christian wives, regardless regardless of your intelligence, your education, your spiritual maturity, your age, your giftedness, or whatever you may consider. Paul calls all wives to submit to their husbands. 
regardless. This is the call. This word cement means to place or arrange under, to bring under influence. Colossians 3.18 says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The word fitting here can also be proper. So wives to submit to the Lord is a proper thing to do. It's a proper thing to do. This is what a a Christ-like wife does. A wife that is following Christ will submit to her husband. Now we might sit there and say, well, hold on. Do I have to submit to my husband if my husband is an unbeliever? Yes, you do. In 1 Peter 3.1, this is what Peter says. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, husbands, when wives come in, this is not a tyrannical rule. This is not you ruling with an iron fist over your wife. Remember, this is a mutual submission. This is you caring for your wife. This is your wife coming under. She is not your slave. We have to remember those things. She is not to obey every single command that you give them. This is not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about this, but it is a it's a submission. For, for, for the wives, it is, it is a submission and a godliness. It's yourself willingly putting yourself under the leadership of your husband because of your relationship with Christ. Remember, we've been talking about getting the gospel right. We have to get the gospel right. Wives, you come under your husband's leadership because of your re- re- relationship with Christ. That's why we do this. Look at Ephesians 5.22 again. Wives, submit to your own husbands. How? As to the Lord. This is how we are to do it. As to the Lord. This is to your own husband. Wives, submit to your, your husband. It's not somebody else's husband. It's your husband. It's the husband the Lord has given you. It's the husband that the Lord has given you to possess. That's the one you put yourself under. That's the one you come under the leadership with. But it has, a, it has a, a way of doing it as to the Lord. And this is how all things are to be done in the Christian life. All things are to be done as to the Lord, not as to ourselves. The wife who is submitting to her husband is submitting to the Lord. But a wife who does not submit to her husband is not submitting to the Lord. As to the Lord. We have to remember that. For this reason, or in Colossians 3.18, he says it again. We read it. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. Proper to the Lord. The reason for this submission, here's the reason for the submission. We have this call to submit as to the Lord, but we have a reason for the submission. Look at Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. The reason for the submission is because the husband is the head. The husband is the authority. This is why. This is what he, and we we see this set up in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Jenny, I think it's going to put 1 Corinthians 3 up there. This is what it says. But I want you to understand 
that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. We see this structure. If we see this structure in here, we have to see the structure, right? There is authority here. But understand that the head, the authority of every man is Christ. So the head of the husband is Christ, the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. We have this structure, and we even have this structure in the Godhead also, we have this structure so this does not devalue the wife at all it doesn't devalue her she is not seen as less and she is not seen as greater remember god took him out of a rib right so we have this equality and we have this equal submission so we don't devalue our wives at all actually the wife when you submit to your husband you are valued highly you are valued highly think about the proverbs 31 woman This gal was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. Proverbs 31, 23 says this, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land, not because of how he was, but because of how she is. This is an amazing woman when you read Proverbs 31. Amazing woman. Her children and her husband praise her. Proverbs 31, 28, 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Oh, husbands, do you say this to your wife? Do you grab your wife by the face and hold her close to you and say, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all? This is a wife that will submit under your leadership. And you talk to them and you treat them excellently. We'll get into that, husbands. Don't worry. I'm going to be a lot harder on you than the wives. That's, a, that's for sure. It simply shows us that even though the husband and the wives are created equal, there is an authority structure, right? So then a wife who is submitting to her husband, this is what her, a wife that is submitting to her husband, she honors Christ, she honors her husband, and she honors her family and herself. This is what a wife does when she submits unto her husband. Now, her submission does not go without an example, right? We have to have the example for all of this. The example we find in 23 and 24, right? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Christ is the Savior of the body. Here's the example. Perfect submission. Christ perfectly submits to the will and the plan of God to save his bride. It's a perfect submission. Christ comes under the will of God. The Holy Spirit comes under Christ and empowers him to do these things. We have this in the, in the Godhead, right? This is the supreme example of submission. Acts twenty twenty eight. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is Paul uh, coming to the Ephesian elders. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his blood. This perfect submission to die on a cross. This is what he has done. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It was his perfect submission. The gospel, again, is the driving force for us to follow and be obedient to God's command. Wives, how you submit to your husbands is how you view the gospel. It's how you submit to Christ. It's how you view who your Savior is. So wives, come under the leadership of your husbands. Submit to his leadership because you're being obedient to Christ. Husbands, our turn. This is the hard one, is the husbands. So now we have husbands, the call. Here's the call, husbands. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's the call. There's the command. Love your wife. Again, it is the same thing. Husbands, this is your call regardless of your age, education, experience, spiritual maturity. You are to love your wife. And this love is that agape love. It's that committed love. It's that choice love. It's that devoted love that God has for us. Notice what it does not say. It does not say husbands love your wives if they cook well or if they dress well or if they submit to you. No, there's no ifs in there. Husbands, love your wives. That is the command. I wish Paul would have put this one first because the, the, the wives one would have been easier. So what does this mean to love your wives, husbands? What does this mean to love them? Here's what it means. It's to be satisfied with your wife. To be satisfied with your wife. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. And when we get a little bit deeper into that, be intoxicated always with her love-making skills is what Solomon is actually coming after, right? It's to be satisfied with your wife. It's to be understanding with your wife. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, if we are not living with our wives in an understanding way, our prayers are hindered. That's simply what it says. I'm not saying anything that the Word of God doesn't say, right? They are a weaker vessel. Sorry, women, that's how God says it. But we are to live with them in an understanding way. How's that? Showing them honor. We're to show our wives honors. Why? Because they are heirs. They're heirs just like us. So we are satisfied with our wives and we understand. We, we live with our wives in an understanding way. This is loving our wives. So what's the example of love? 
Well, he gives us the example of love too, right? Husbands, love your wives. Here's the example. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the example. That's how you love your wife. All you husbands, look at me. That's how you love your wife. Like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It is huge call. It is massive because that means you have to die to everything you are. This is a sacrificial love. It's Christ loving the church. Look at how Christ loved the church. Matthew or Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And gave himself up or and to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is how Christ loved his bride. He didn't come and say, serve, serve, serve me, serve me, you know, get my food, get my plate, get my beer, get my wine, whatever it was, do my laundry, keep this house clean. No, Christ came and he says, guess what? I'm going to get you your plate. I'm going to cook your dinner. I'm going to clean your house. That's what he does. Sacrificially, he does this. He comes to serve on a cross and die for our sins. Brothers, this is how we are to love our wives in this way. Philippians 2, 3 puts it perfectly. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is what Christ has done for us. He counted us more significant than himself. He dies for us. Husbands, this is how we live. This is how we love our wives in this way. It's a Christ-like love. It's a Christ-like love in a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial love. Serving her, laying down your life for her, considering her more important. This is how we love our wives. Not only that, but how we love our wives is with a sanctifying love. A sanctifying love. And by no means, I don't want you guys to think that I'm up here preaching this and that I got this down because I don't. I don't have this down at all. I don't have this down at all. So don't think that I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself too. So it's a sanctifying love. Look at Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. That he might sanctify her. This is Christ. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is what Christ has done. Christ has loved us with a purifying love, a sanctifying love, right? He has sanctified his bride. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. And the Corinthians, man, they were messed up. That's what the letters, man, they were messed up. But listen to what Christ says about them. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. It's a sanctifying love. He has sanctified him. It's a cleansing love. Christ has cleansed his bride. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration. There it is right there. The washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He has cleansed his bride. He has done this. And the bride is perfect before him. 
We stand as his bride, perfect before him. This is what Christ has done. Song, Song of Solomon 4, 7. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. That is what Jesus says to his bride. There is no flaw in you. Husbands, we are to love our wives with a purifying, a sanctifying love. We are called to do the same thing. How do we do this? We are in the word with our wives. We lead our wives in the word. We're reading with them. We're, 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 we're teaching them from the word. We're praying with and for our wives. We're dealing with not only our own sin, but our wives also. That could be a very tough thing for husbands to deal with your wife's sin. But we have to. We have to be able to deal with our wives' sin. This is what we have to do. This is a sanctifying love. Husbands, we are to be concerned with our wives' holiness on the same level that Christ is concerned with our holiness. Right? Christ gives some pretty big examples. Poke out your eye. Cut off your hand if those things cause you to sin. We are to deal with our wives' holiness. This is loving them as Christ loved us. Now, I'm not saying that you go home and chop your wife's hand off, okay? Don't get me wrong with that. So, But I'm just saying we have to be able to deal with our wives' sin, and we have to be concerned with their holiness. Husbands, here's my challenge in this area. Is your wife more like Christ because of you? Or is your wife more like Christ in spite of you? Is she more like Christ because of your leadership? Or is she more like Christ in spite of your leadership? It's a good sentence to take home with you, to think about. So Christ-like love is a sanctifying love. Christ-like love is a selfless love. It's a selfless love. Look at Ephesians 5, 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So it's a selfless love. Husbands, we are to treat our wives like, like we treat ourselves. We're not going to bring harm to ourselves, so we shouldn't bring harm to our wives. We're going to nourish our own bodies. We should nourish our wife, right? We cherish ourselves. We should cherish our wives, right? This is, this is how it looks like. It's Jesus nourishes the church. Again, Jesus is the example, brothers. He is the example. Listen to what he does in Isaiah 40, 11. He nourishes his church. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosoms and gently lead those that are with young. This is his nourishing. Ezekiel 34, 14, and 15. I will feed them with good pastures, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing lands, and on rich pastures they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Wow, that's powerful. You know, and here's what's so powerful about this passage. 
is at the beginning of this passage. Ezekiel, God is talking to Ezekiel about how the shepherds that they have are horrible shepherds. How they're only in it for their own gain, their own money, their own status, their own uh, popularity. How the sheep exist for them. How they fleece the flock. This is what this is in the same context in. And God in 34, 15 comes and says, I myself will shepherd my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. God will take care of his sheep. He says he will. He'll take care of his sheep. Psalm 23, 1 and 2. This is nourishing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Christ is the one that nourishes his church. Husbands, again, we follow this example by how? By providing for our wives. We provide for them spiritually, physically, intimately. We're to provide for our wives. Not based upon what we desire, but based upon what their needs are. Is there going to be times where we want to provide more for us and our wives? Yeah. There are going to be, be, be times that we want uh, uh, intimacy for ourselves more than our, our wives? Yeah. There are going to be times when we, we, we won't want that, but our wives will? Yeah, but you know what? No, we provide for our wives physically, spiritually, intimately. We provide for her by her well-being, by providing food, clothing, very simple things, shelter. We take care of them. We take care of them. Brothers, we have to understand one thing. Our wives are a blood-bought gift given to us. You see the value of our wives? Blood-bought gift that Christ has given to us. Cherish them. Provide for them. It's being sensitive to her moods, her feelings, and her environment. It's striving to have a good and open conversation and relationship. It's being courteous. It's putting your wife first. It's protecting our wives. It's protecting our wives from family, co-workers, bosses. As Christ protects us, right? A Christ-like love is not only a selfless love, but it's an unbreakable love. It's an unbreakable love. Look at uh, uh, Ephesians 5.31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul takes us directly from Genesis 2.24, which we read, where it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This word hold fast to, hold fast or cleave to, is glue. It means glue, cemented. We are glued to our wives. This is the one flesh. The two shall become one. If you have kids together, perfect example. Your kids are a perfect example of a one flesh union. Wow, they look like you. Wow, they look like you. Yeah, it's a one flesh union. They should. This is the picture. This cleaving and leaving It's being glued together, cemented together. It's to be unbreakable. That's what he says. Matthew 19, 5 and 6. And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast, be glued to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. This is how it is. Mark 10, 7, 8, and 9. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. It is an unbreakable love, brothers. When we love our wives like Christ loved the church, it is an unbreakable love. And how is this looked at? One, by Christ never leaves his bride. Christ never leaves his bride. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Brothers, we don't leave our wives. We don't leave our wives. It's, it's always a... He's always forgiving his bride, right? Christ is always forgiving us because we always fail in so many ways, but he's always forgiving us. His forgiveness never runs out. It's, 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 uh, <coughs> excuse me. it's infinite. His forgiveness is infinite. And so also, listen to what it says, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Likewise, brothers, as husbands, we are to be forgiving of our wives infinitely. You know what this means? You don't keep a list. You don't keep a list of your wives' good and bad deeds. No. And you don't remember them. If you get into an argument, you don't sit there and say, hey, you know what? I remember last year when you did this to me. No, that is not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. It's being gracious to your wives. It's cherishing our wives. And this love that Christ has for us, it's an everlasting love. It's an everlasting, unfailing love. The Lord appeared to him, Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord appeared to him from afar. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. This is how we are to love our wives. So husbands, we are to do the same. We are to be the same. And wives, you're to be forgiving of your husband. Sisters, we're going to blow it. We're going to blow it a lot. Right? We're going to get things wrong, and I I'm, I'm just praise God that he's given us, you ladies, to correct us. Right? But we're going to blow it. Likewise, wives, you need to be forgiving of your husbands also because you are one flesh. You have to remember when we're in this one flesh, if you talk bad about your wife, you're talking bad about you. If you drag your wife through the mud, you're dragging yourself through the mud. Yeah, this is how tightly knit we are it's that one flesh so husbands what is the fuel for loving your wife we see the example but what is the fuel ephesians 5 32 and 33 this mystery is profound and i am saying that it refers to christ and the church however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband simply this is the fuel your marriage is an example of christ and the church Every Christian marriage is an example of Christ and the church. When people look at your marriage, they should see something absolutely different as Christian marriages. 
they should sit there and say, wow, that marriage is different. Why is it different? Why does that husband love his wife like that? That's crazy. She should be doing that. It should be completely different because it's a picture of Christ and the church, of how Christ loves his church. Our greatest motive, brothers, to love our wives is Christ's purifying, protecting, providing love for his church. We love our wives in this way because Christ loves us this way. We sacrifice for our wives because Christ has sacrificed for us. We consider our wives more important because our Savior has considered us more important. It's walking in our marriages with gospel glasses always before us. So to close, to close, I'm just going to close with what Paul says. Paul comes to the end of this and he says, however. That word however can be translated nevertheless. He's ending the conversation. In this letter, Paul is coming out and he's saying, Wives, you submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, you love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Nevertheless, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. driven by the gospel of your grace. May we come under that husband's leadership. And Father, I pray for us husbands. Lord, that we would die to ourselves and that we would love Christ as he loved the church and give himself up for him. Strengthen us all to do this, Lord, that you would be glorified in our marriages, that you would be seen in our marriages, and that you would be exalted in our lives. In your name, amen. So, this is a sidebar really quick. If you're sitting here and you're single, where does this put you? Well, there is application for you very quickly. Right? If you're a single lady, your submission needs to be to Christ, your husband. Because he is your husband. He is your head. And you should be looking for someone who would be Ephesians 25 guy, who is the guy who loves Christ like the church. And gentlemen, if you sit here and you're single, this is what God has called you to do when you have a wife. And you should be looking for that one who is submitting